Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, book form, Uh, and go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published Um, they're all books of poetry um, uh, books of stories uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences Um, and there'll be more to come and uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to uh, to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon hi everyone this is mark and welcome to the episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. Today it's Sunday, uh, the second of May, twenty twenty-one. Uh, it's a beautiful morning here in the UK. And uh, today I want to talk about um, one of my favourite films uh, that I uh, watched again yesterday. And it's a favourite film of mine um, for many reasons, and uh, mostly because. Um, the main protagonist of the film shares this uh, this passion for finding out the um, the the answer to um, one of the oldest questions in uh, in the universe: Are we alone? Um, are there other intelligent? alien civilizations out there in the cosmos and uh, this is a uh, a question that many people have been asking as I say for uh, the entirety of uh, hu- the history of humanity but most notably one person in particular um, an astronomer American astronomer and planetary scientist cosmologist astrophysicist astrobiologist author and a uh, science communicator by the name of uh, Carl Sagan um, is best known for being a uh, vehement um, believer um, and someone who has believed and has um, put all who put all of his efforts into attempting to 
um, answer that question by looking for um, physical messages um, transmitted from potential alien um, civilizations. Um, and he was uh, he was instrumental in also trying to educate um, people. Um, with his um, very popular um, TV show uh, Cosmos uh, and uh, the accompanying book of that, and um, he's well regarded. Carl Sagan's well regarded as uh, being one of the the founders of uh, one of the pioneers um, in the in the uh, the journey and in the the, the pursuit of finding out. Uh, whether we are alone in the universe, and um, to that end, um, in uh, 1985, uh, Carl Sagan um, wrote a science fiction novel uh, by the name of Contact, which um, has themes in it, um, including uh, humanity um, and the potential. Um, contact uh, by a uh, technologically advanced extraterrestrial um, civilization and um, <clears throat> excuse me and the the book uh, is heralded by a great many people as revolutionary just as um, Carl Sagan was um, and um it's a great book great story and um i first became aware of carl sagan um uh, probably around the time of um the film um that i am going to talk about today which is the film contact which is the 1997 um american science fiction drama film uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, which is a film adaptation of Carl Sagan's original 1985 novel. And um, both uh, Carl Sagan and his wife Anne um, Julian uh, wrote the, the story outline for the film. And um, you may know Robert Zemeckis as the, the director of some of the um, most uh, influential and revolutionary films uh, of the last 40 years. Uh, the Back to the Future trilogy, of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, uh, Castaway, um, uh, Forrest Gump. Um, you know, he has made, I think, nearly all the films that he has made, I'm a fan of, and they are included in my favourite films of all time. Um, and he's a really, um, really uh, phenomenally talented uh, director. But the, the, the film Contact, um, which he directed, uh, which stars Jodie Foster, portraying the, the film's protagonist, uh, Dr. Eleanor Ellie Arroway, um, who is a uh, SETI scientist um, searching for um, the evidence of extraterrestrial life. Um, 
very uh, and um, the protagonist is also transferred over from the the novel Contact, but the storyline in the novel of Contact differs slightly from the film. Um, uh, the, the 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 crux of the um, the story within the novel um, revolves around the um, the mathematical uh, constant that is um, pi. Um, which is a uh, very um, uh, important, um, a very important uh, component um, in um, mathematics, and um, in um, it is a, a very, very uh, important mathematical constant, um, and it's. Uh, it is what is known as a, a transcendental number, uh, which um, uh, implies that uh, it has no um, end. It has no. It can be um, potentially um, calculated to an infinitesimal um, number. Uh, uh, but that, that's all sciencey, and um, that is. Uh, the that is what uh, lies at the heart of the of the the sum most of the story within the, the novel contact and there are also some other changes from the the storyline of the film to the to the novel as there there always are um and i'm not as familiar with the novel's storyline but i'm i'm i have a um um i have a a familiarity with it but not a as much of a familiarity familiarity as I do with the, the the film because I've seen the film so many times and it, it to me it's a very important film it's a very emotional film it's a very touching film it's a very revolutionary film and I, uh, I absolutely love it um, as I said the, the film stars Jodie Foster uh, it also stars uh, Matthew McConaughey James Woods uh, Tom Skerritt uh, William uh, Fritschner uh, John Hurt, uh, Angela Bassett, Rob Lowe, uh, Jake Busey, and uh, David Morse. And um, I love what I love about the film is that it, the the story that it tells on a personal level, but also on a um, on a more um, transcendental level, if that's the best way to describe it, and it, the way that it it poses the question and it gives an answer that can be interpreted in many different ways and of course the question is are we alone in the universe and this is a question that guides the main protagonist of the film Dr um, Eleanor uh, Arroway who's uh, working at the when we first meet her she's working at the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico on um, for the uh, the SETI program, and if you're not familiar with it, the SETI program, um, they it stands for uh, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and um, it is a way uh, of monitoring electromagnetic radiation and looking for um, potential uh, transmissions from civilizations on other planets, and um, I used to have a 
uh, a SETI um, screensaver on my, one of my old computers and whenever I wasn't using my computer it would this SETI program would come to life and it would um, it would start the the analysis of these these signals that were downloaded and then sent back um, and it was it was a way for people to become um, become a part of the program and to, to, to help in the in the analysis of of these signals by using the computer power of personal computers um, but yeah so I've all I've been a proponent and um, um, a person asking the question are we alone in the universe pretty much all my life because I've always been a fan of science fiction I've always believed that there are alien civilizations out there um, I grew up watching Star Trek Star Wars um, but Star Trek um, had the most prominent uh, effect on me and seeing all the alien civilizations in in those the many series that have been made over the years uh, really sparked my imagination and uh, um, and when I started to learn more and when I started to watch more films that had um, potential alien contact in them um, then I was, was hooked and my belief that there are other alien civilizations became even more um, profound and powerful and uh, many people around the world also share the same passion and they've gone to great efforts to to do as the, the character of um, Ellie Arroway in the film does um, and they do so by sometimes they're just by amateur um, radio um, um, just searching um, radio signals throughout the, the, the galaxy um, and the universe um, hoping to find a, a signal that an electromagnetic signal that could only be produced by um, an alien life form. But um, Dr. Arroway is, finds herself uh, coming up against um, several roadblocks in her, um, in her mission to, to find out if there is evidence of alien life. Uh, most notably with uh, the character of uh, David Drumlin, uh, he's played by uh, Tom um, Skerritt, uh, who's the president, uh, president's science advisor, um, who uh, is uh, also uh, Dr. Ellie Arroway's uh, boss, and he pulls the funding for SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, because he believes that the endeavour is, um, is a cul-de-sac, basically, that it's not going to ever really produce anything um that is going to be taken seriously and the you know the the, the possibility of making contact with an alien civilization is so small and the the distances between planets and civilizations would have to be so great that it the, the there is no reason to continue to fund um a project that is not going to really give any any um, revolutionary results. But of course, uh, Ellie um, 
this doesn't stop uh, Ellie. She goes to many different people who she believes may be able to, to fund um, SETI. And she goes to the very secretive uh, billionaire uh, industrialist S.R. Haddon, uh, who's played by the, the late, great John Hurt. Uh, who is the the CEO of uh, Haddon Industries, and uh, he uh, decides to give her the funding that she needs to continue the project at the very large array uh, in New Mexico. And um, four years later, um, David Drumlin again to trying to close down the SETI program um, and coming up against uh, Ellie um, because he wants to be in the spotlight he um, I think he he admires Ellie in a way but he just he just sees he well he's just power hungry basically he wants the attention and um, and he you, you see that you know he's not afraid you see that throughout the film he's not afraid to put his own um selfish um needs over the people and uh he doesn't um have this uh the, the same passion the same imagination the same love the same want and need to to find the answers to one of the, the most important questions ever posed as uh, Ellie is, so he's constantly trying to shut her down, um, and this causes a lot of frustration between Ellie and Doctor um, Drumlin, uh, David Drumlin. But um, Ellie has this uh, this passion because she was introduced to um looking at the stars and identifying the planets from a very young age um when she was introduced to um to the universe uh especially by um her father Theodore Arroway uh who's played by David Morse in the film and um we see um flashback scenes um that they would um, that they would talk about the planets she would um, look through telescopes and they would uh, look up at the stars and uh, her father um, Theodore would um, had a, a great deal of um, knowledge about the stars and uh, this is where she got her passion um, from and he also um, allowed her to use a um, an amateur uh, radio uh, which she used to uh, make contact with several people across the United States um, and this is where her her love for communication and the stars and um, making contact with other people in distant places came from and this is something that she's carried with her her entire life um, and it's something that's meant something to her um probably um more pro more profoundly since uh her father died um and uh her father dies when she's um, a young child 
um, I think around the the, the age of um, 10, 10 years old, I think. And this, this um, had a profound effect on Ellie, um, but it didn't stop her from wanting to um, become more educated and further her knowledge of science and astrophysics and cosmology and wanting to come up with an, an answer to the question, are we alone in the universe? So that's why she became uh, involved in uh, the search for terrestrial intelligence. And um, uh, she comes uh, uh, in contact with someone, um, a man by the name of Palmer Joss, uh, played by Matthew McConaughey. And he is a man of faith. Um, he is a believer in God. Um, and uh, he doesn't see a, um, a difference between the search for an answer uh, to are we alone in the universe from um, and the, 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 the passion and the project of Eleanor Haraway of um, looking for uh, this contact, this signal, this message from high above. Um, she he doesn't see a difference between that and the the constant search of people looking for um, and waiting for a a voice from God or a, a message from God, which is something that he had at one time, and it completely changed the way he saw the world. And he just knew as soon as he had this um, this spiritual experience that it that it was God, and he was convinced by this. And he, um, he, um, tells this to, um, Ellie and, uh, she doesn't understand it, uh, because she's a, she's a, someone of, of science. She doesn't, she says she can't believe anything she can't see, um, or anything that can't be tested. Um, so she has a hard time, um, coming up with an explanation for God and she's obviously not a believer. Um, and this causes a bit of tension between the two of them because there is a mutual attraction between the two of them. Um, even though uh, Ellie is uh, on the side of science and um, Palmer Joss is on the side of uh, of faith and spirituality, and that this sends them off in um, they they meet up. They have a very brief encounter one another uh, there is obviously um, an attraction between the two but they end up going in different directions um, uh, Palmer just goes on to uh, publish a book uh, and work um, as the president's um, um, spiritual advisor and Ellie um, after uh, getting the backing from uh, Haddon Industries she, as I said, she goes to the very large array in New Mexico, and she starts um, looking for um, a signal from um, a potential extraterrestrial intelligence. And while she's following a um, tumultuous uh, encounter with uh, Dr. David Drumlin, she goes out and she 
starts using the, the very large array to, to look for uh, and to listen for a repeating signal. And um, one night while Palmer Just is on TV talking to Larry King about his new book, um, Ellie hears a signal. She hears this repeating signal, this sequence of prime numbers just constantly um, emanating. And um, of course, as soon as she hears this, it immediately... She immediately opens her eyes and she immediately gets excited at the prospect that this could be the contact, the signal that she has been looking for her entire life. And as a result of this, um, she um, trains all of the arrays, all of the, the, the dishes at the very large array to the, uh, the apparent location uh, from where the the signal is coming from, which happens to be the star system Vega, which is about 26 light years away from Earth. And uh, with the help of her uh, colleagues, um, they, uh, they search and they try to find out more information about this, uh, um, this signal. And... Um, because the the signal can only be tracked by a very large array for a very short amount of time, because the Earth is constantly spinning and the star star system Vega, uh, its location can only be tracked when you're in um, kind of line of sight. Uh, she decides to open this up to the entire world and get and ask for the resources of the entire world to attempt to continue to track this signal so they don't lose it. So she tells everybody. She uh, lets the cat out of the bag. She tells the media. Um, of course, she she makes she tells um, Drumlin, um, which involved, gets who gets the National Security Council involved, um, uh, led by um, Michael Kitts, who's played by James Woods, and um, the the president is told. The world is told. The entire world's media descends on the very large array in New Mexico uh, because they've been told about this signal from from um, from outer space and a potential uh, extraterrestrial um, signal uh, and we see them uh, analyzing the signal uh, for all its uh, many layers and they discover that um, the signal harbors a video hidden in the signal and it happens to be Adolf Hitler's opening address at the 1936 Summer Olympics in Berlin Germany because it was one of the um, at its time was one of the most powerful signals ever sent out into into the world into into space um, as a as a symbol of um, superior German technology at the time, um, of course there is some um, speculation that uh, maybe this is uh, the an alien civilization's way of saying, "Oh, we like the way that um, you're doing it down there, your um, belief system of of Hitler." But of course, Ellie just completely brushes away and says that is 
ridiculous that anyone could ever come up with or even think that an alien civilization would know what they were looking at and be able to put it into some kind of context. Um, but they continue to analyze the signal um, and uh, they, re they believe um, that it is from an alien civilization the more that they um, they analyze it, they come to find out that um, it is full of um, of data. In in fact, sixty three thousand pages of uh, indecipherable data, um, and it is indecipher indecipherable until the reclusive S. R. Haddon. Uh, the CEO of Haddon Industries, as played by the late great John Hurt, approaches Ellie um, secretly uh, to provide her with um, the uh, the primer, the the means to decode the pages, because he uh, it tells her that if this is information from an alien civilization, that uh, it wouldn't just be um, uh, connect, connected to each other all the pages wouldn't be connected to each other in a 2D fashion it may be on a 3 dimensional fashion and when they decode the um, the um, the language of this alien civilization and the way that they uh, perceive um, terms of right and wrong and um, and uh, they they discover that the 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 pages are in fact schematics for a very complex machine that um, Ellie uh, concludes is either uh, some kind of communicant advanced communication device, some kind of teaching machine, or potentially some kind of transport for a single occupant. To travel to the star system of Vega, and uh, because this is this is world changing, um, and the potential for um, making contact with an alien civilization is so um, fervent, and um, it would it would change the way that people see the world, and it does. You know, um, the world reacts to it in many different ways. Some um, very right-wing um, uh, and um, p parties and some people some people see this um, this contact with an alien civilization as something that is a good thing and some see it as a negative thing because it goes against their belief system um, but the nations of the world all decide to come together to fund the construction of this machine at the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral in Florida and an international panel is assembled to choose a uh, candidate to travel in the machine and of course Ellie who's the original discoverer of the signal and a fervent um, believer in extraterrestrial um, intelligence wants to be the wants to be the pilot um, and even though she's the front runner to go um, 
her friend um, and someone who she she had she shares a, uh, a personal connection with um, Palmer Joss, um, who is a a Christian philosopher. Um, he uh, explains to her that she's the front runner, but um, David Drumlin also wants to be a part of it. He wants to be the one to go. Uh, so they're going to have to go through the process to determine who is the right candidate. Uh, but uh, Palmer just kind of scuppers uh, Ellie's um, candidacy uh, when um, she goes in front of the uh, review panel and she's asked directly by Palmer Joss if she believes in God. And... Um, of course, he knows that she doesn't believe in God. She believes in science. And because of this exposure, uh, which is absolutely devastating to her because she knows that he's doing it on purpose. Um, and he, he, he loves her. He, you know, he, he doesn't want her to go because he has this, uh, affection for her. So he's done this. He's, um... He's he's done this so that she did, she isn't the one to go, and it's, it's devastating to her, and she knows why he's doing this, but it's it hurts. So David Drumlin is eventually selected because he's decided to be uh, more representative of humanity because he purports to believe in God and to be religious. Um, and but because of what Palmer just did it really does strain his relationship with Ellie and um and uh she doesn't uh she can't understand why he did it but in any case she becomes a part of the project um to to launch uh Drumlin to Vega and um she becomes a, a vital part of of the of the project and she even gets to talk to David Drumlin before he um, he goes on to um, the machine where the machine is being constructed and being tested on the day, and uh, he admits that he did take advantage of her um, moment in front of the review panel, and um, and he said that he basically explains that. The world is not um, not a fair place, and uh, that's just how it is. But unfortunately for him, uh, during the first machine test, a religious um, terrorist group um, destroys the machine um, in a suicide uh, bombing, and this kills David Drumlin and several others, and also severely dis um um, well, it just basically destroys the the machine that they've been constructed, and this puts the uh, the project in doubt um, because you know um, billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, were spent on co on constructing the machine. So it's now and it becomes unknown whether it will ever be reconstructed and be able to work again 
And this is when the now cancer-stricken S.R. Haddon, who is now uh, um, living aboard the Mir space station, um, orbiting Earth, uh, which uh, no, is no longer in orbit, of course, um, but it was at the time that the film was made. And he makes contact with Ellie at her home. Um, while still aboard the Mir space station. And he reveals to Ellie that um, his company had secretly made a second machine in uh, Japan. And that uh, Ellie will be the one to go if she wants to go. And of course, she wants to go. So she accepts... Um, she travels to Japan, where the, the second machine has been constructed. Um, the she uh, is outfitted with several recording devices, so that she can record whatever happens um, after she gets into this into the pod of the machine, and it is um, dropped through the um, concentric rings of the machine, um, so that she can record what what happens. Um, um, and uh, she finally gets to see Palmer Joss um, before she she embarks upon her mission and um, they uh, make amends and uh, then she embarks upon her mission she gets into the, the machine's pod um, and um, eventually um the, 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 the pod is dropped uh, with um, Ellie as the pilot, with the, with the passenger. And she experiences travelling through a series of uh, wormholes, which are uh, connecting connected portals through um, space and time, um, uh, which are only speculative at the moment, but they were predicted by... They're also called an Einstein-Rosen bridge. Um, and, um, and yeah, so Ellie travels through these wormholes to seemingly different parts of, um, of the galaxy. Uh, and she comes to um, somewhere that looks like a, a radio array-like structure. Uh, in the star system of Vega, uh, which show, and she gets images of an advanced civilization on another planet, um, and then eventually, um, she finds herself floating, and, uh, she sees all these beautiful sights, and there's, a, it's, there's such a beautiful moment when she's floating in, in the pod, and, uh, this is something that really hit me when I first saw it, and it didn't, I didn't really understand the, the, how profound it was until many years after, but she's floating in this pod and she's looking out and she's seeing this uh, this beautiful sight of this um, galactic scene, beautiful galactic scene, and she says poetry. She looks out and she just sees, she just says the word poetry, and she says um, it's so beautiful. They should have sent a poet to describe what what, uh, what there is to be seen and being a poet I love this 
I love that she says that in the film. Um, but I'd, being a poet, even being a poet, I'd, I'm not sure how I would describe what what, uh, what anyone would see. But uh, I would definitely give it a very good go, and I would definitely um, uh, volunteer to go on such a mission as as Ellie, as Ellie does any time. But um, yeah, eventually Ellie finds herself on a on a beach very similar to a childhood picture that she drew um of uh, Pensacola Florida um that she showed to her father in a um in a flashback scene um and she sees uh, this um spectral distorted kind of figure approaching her um who appears to be her deceased father um and Ellie recognizes um him immediately as her father and he speaks as if he were her father um but he is um an alien part of this alien civilization this alien first contact um and she she tries to ask him questions about uh, where they are, who he is, how they got to where they are, and why things. Why uh, she looks. Like, it looks like she's um, she stepped into a into a painting, but it looks like um, it's like a, an alien. Looks like a real life um, alien ex- place, but it looks very similar to. Um, uh, the painting that she drew when she was that she painted when she was a child um, and the alien tells her um, that this is how it's been done for billions of years um, and that the, the familiar landscape uh, is a way um, to make first contact more easier for her and that this encounter is uh, humanity's first step into joining a wider spacefaring uh, species um, and soon after uh, Arroway um, Ellie um, wakes up um, uh, she ends up uh, being comp- propelled through uh, this kind of wormhole she wakes up, she finds herself back in the pod on the floor um, being contacted by mission control of the machine in um, in Japan um, and she she learns that uh, from the outside looking in it appeared that her pod merely dropped through the machine's rings and then landed on the safety net and it didn't go anywhere and uh she can't understand this and after she gets out of the pod and she's being debriefed she talks about her experiences she 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 tells people what she saw where she went uh but they continue to say that there is no evidence of this that the pod went traveled from the top of the machine to the to the net at the bottom and it didn't go anywhere However, Ellie insists that she she was gone for approximately eighteen hours, 
uh, but she's told that the, all the recording devices uh, only show noise and static. And Ellie uh, goes before a conge- congressional committee, which has been formed um, to go over the evidence of what happened. And um, the uh, one of the the main um, detractors of uh, Ellie's uh, story, uh, Michael Kitts. Played by, played by James Woods, um, tears down, tears out, tears through her story of events and speculates that the signal, as well as the machine that was being, that was constructed, both machines were a hoax that were designed by the now deceased S.R. Haddon as a final joke to the world. Um, and that it was all made up by him uh, just to get the uh, the rights to the technology that was being developed for the project, but Ellie can't um, she can't accept this because she experienced things. She saw things. She had these unbelievable encounters. She has these memories, eighteen hours worth of memories, and she says that. Everything within her tells her that it was real, that it wasn't just a hallucination. Um, and she's asked by one of the committee members that should they take her testimony on faith? Um, and she she basically just says that uh, it, it, this is what happened. She can't, there's no other way for her to explain what happened to her, but she had a uh, an encounter very similar to how Palmer Joss explains his encounter with God when he believed that God existed and he had this religious experience. In a way, Ellie had uh, an experience, but it was something, it was a transcendental experience, very similar to a religious experience. And um, she leaves the Congressional Committee meeting, and when she, she leaves, the the entire um, the entirety of the the building, um, the Senate building, is surrounded by people who have come to to see Ellie because they obviously believe her. They believe that she had this this experience, um, and uh, uh, Palmer just sassed by one of the reporters um, about what happened with Ellie and. If he believes her and uh, he confirms that he does um, because he loves her. And he, he understands why people would not believe Ellie because Ellie didn't believe him. And now that she's had this experience, maybe she understands Palmer Joss more. And she understands the power of his, the visions that he's had and several people have had, of course. And then not long after, in a private online conversation... Uh, Michael uh, Kitts, played by James Woods, um, and White House uh, official uh, Rachel uh, Constantine, who's played by uh, Angela Bassett, um, talk about um, Ellie. Um, And they talk about the confidential information that has been 
revealed by the investigation. And it's revealed that although Ellie's uh, recording device only recorded static, it recorded exactly 18 hours of it. And this is something that uh, Angela Bassett's um, character, uh, Rachel Constantine, asked to Michael Kitts. And that this is what interests her, that it was exactly 18 hours. And, and Ellie said that she went somewhere. She was on this uh, journey for 18 hours exactly. So why that there, is, there seems to be some connection between the two. Uh, and although uh, Michael Kitts just says that is very interesting, isn't it? And he doesn't reveal what the um, what is so interesting about it or what's the, the the meaning of it. But to me, I interpret it as if they're hiding more from the public than they're making out um, for their own reasons. Um, then right at the end of the film. Um, we see Ellie um, talking with um, some young young people at the uh, very large array, and we see her looking out to this uh, vast expanse, this uh, um, this huge uh, canyon, uh, obviously reflecting upon her experience that she had. Um, and uh, the question she's posed by one of the the, the children is that uh, is there really anybody any other alien civilizations out there? And she uh, repeats back to to them what her father said to her when she was a, a child, and she asked the same question. And he and as he said to her, she says to this young. Um, young boy um well if it is just us seems like an awful waste of space and i would have to agree with those sentiments because to me anybody who categorically um uh rules out the possibility of there being alien civilizations on other planets in the solar system in other solar systems in the galaxy in the universe and there are a hundred million stars in our galaxy alone and as Ellie explained if only one percent out of that had um around those stars had planets and if one percent out of those had um alien life and if one percent out of those had uh advanced terrestrial life there would literally be millions of civilizations out there and uh and yeah and that's 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 the film in a in a nutshell, basically. And as I said, I, I find it a very emotional and and moving film um, because it tells a story of someone who goes through um, an experience that changes her forever, and because she she never stopped believing. Um, even though at the beginning of the film she's not a religious person, she's not a spiritual person, she goes through an experience very similar to a a religious experience or a spiritual experience. And she realises that 
there is more to life, that there is someone else, there are other people out there who know more about the universe than any of us do. And her passion drives her to to finding the answer to the question that she's been asking since she was a child. And many people, many children will continue to ask um, until we finally get a categorical um, answer to that question. Until we um, get a, we make contact and there's potential that that contact has already been made, but it hasn't been revealed to uh, humanity on a wider scale. There are a lot of um, conspiracy theories, um, a lot of uh, sightings of potential unidentified um, objects that could be of uh, an alien uh, nature. Um, and who knows? You know, I I believe that that it's definitely uh, it's definitely possible that there are um, agencies around the world that have had and have evidence of um, uh, extraterrestrial contact or extraterrestrial um, life um, already being witnessed, or um, there is there there is something out there. Um, that is that is already known about, and it's just been compartmentalized somewhere uh, around the world. Um, but uh, yeah, as for um, whether there is aliens and whether there are advanced extraterrestrial civilizations in the universe, the answer to that I can say hand on heart, um, with just from my own personal belief, that yes, there are. And uh, it's only a matter of time before they make their selves and their presence <clears throat> more prominent. And um, we all um, get to start upon a new age for humanity when we um, finally start to come to realise that we are one of millions of other civilizations in the universe and that we are special and we are unique in our own way but we have a destiny to become um, a part of a, a wider universe and that um, hopefully if nothing else goes wrong on this planet if we don't have um, a, uh, a natural disaster that wipes us out uh, one day um, we will make contact with a, an alien civilization and uh, we will get to learn more about the universe than we could have, ever could have ever um, imagined. Um, and yeah, and I'll, I'll always love this film and watching it over and over again, it's so touching for me. The, um, the character of Ellie, um, Dr. Eleanor, uh, Anne Arroway, who's played by Jodie Foster uh, as an adult, but also by uh, Jenna Malone um, when she's a young child, and she she plays the role great, uh, Jenna Malone, as a child, um, uh, and um, 
yeah, you and yeah, Matthew McConaughey's great as well as Palmer Joss, um, David Morse, who's only in the film for a very short amount of time, but he has a very significant and impactful role as uh, Theodore Arroway, uh, Ellie's father. Uh, Michael Kitts, he's played by James Woods. Um, he's a, a great, uh, he's a, a kind of an antagonist in a way, but no, no worse than um, Dr. David Drumlin, who's played by Tom Skerritt, who tries to scupper Ellie's um, work um, and her progress in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence at every time. Um, John Hurt as S.R. Haddon is wonderful, one of his most recognisable um, roles. Um, uh, William Fitcher as uh, Kent Clark, um, uh, who's a, a friend and a colleague of Ellie, and uh, Angela Bassett is always good. Is also good as Rachel Constantine, um, and uh, yeah, some really good, really great characters. Um, uh, Jake Boosie uh, plays the character of Joseph. Uh, Rob Lowe plays the character of. Um, uh, Richard Rank, uh, Jeffrey Blake plays the character of Fisher, uh, Max Martini plays the character of Willie, um, and yeah, uh, just a very uh, thought-provoking thought and a very special film that, um, that I, I truly love, um, and I think it's a, it's a film um, that is has stood the test of time and it always will um and i think it's a great tribute uh to the late great carl sagan um and his vision and his belief um that uh we're not alone in the universe and one day um in the not too distant future we will finally make contact but yeah so i think i'm gonna leave it there for now uh i just want to say thank you for listening uh hope you have a great day uh hope you like what you heard and i'll talk to you again soon